Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 16th. I'm your host, Mike Meharing. Thanks for tuning in. Well, overall, it's been a relatively quiet week. The big news has been more political centered on the Amy Coney Barrett hearing, stimulus talks, and this New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails. So basically a lot of political theater, which quite honestly doesn't really interest me all that much. To be honest, I think a lot of it is a distraction. You know, it's designed to keep us divided and fighting each other while the government runs roughshod over our liberties. I'm going to talk a little bit about the presidential election at the end of the podcast and I'll get a little more into my thoughts on all of that. But as far as gold and silver go, it was pretty steady, Eddie. Gold held above the key $1,900 level most of the week. We're trading at $1,911 an ounce as I'm recording the podcast. I think there's generally a lot of negativity out there, and gold is being buoyed by safe haven demand, despite the fact that it looks increasingly like we're not going to get the fiscal stimulus everybody is jonesing for before the election. I still say that stimulus is just a matter of timing. We're going to get stimulus. It's a question of when and how much, not if. Meanwhile, a lot of worrisome signs that the economy isn't exactly on the rebound. And we've had several bouts of bad news on the coronavirus vaccine front, along with a rise in case levels in a lot of places. Silver has also been relatively range-bound, moving basically in the $24 an ounce range, give or take, this week. We're currently trading at $24.42 an ounce as I'm recording. Speaking of the white metal, there is some mainstream bullishness on silver out there. Goldman Sachs released a couple of reports this week advising to dump dollars and buy silver. One of the reasons Goldman is bullish on silver is the increasing demand for the metal in solar energy applications. Silver is a vital component in the solar energy sector, and solar power generation is expected to nearly double by 2025. A report by the Silver Institute earlier this year projected that a combination of global efforts to reduce fossil fuel reliance, legislation to lower carbon emissions, and favorable government tax policies should result in a continued expansion of solar panel installations over the next decade. A report from the World Bank actually forecasts that by 2050, consumption of silver in energy technologies could grow dramatically, reaching a level equivalent to more than 50% of current total silver demand. This should also buttress silver demand, even if the global economy doesn't bounce back from the coronavirus mess. The expectation is that a lot of the government stimulus packages will include money for green energy initiatives, including solar. Now, Honestly, I'm not a big fan of these government subsidies or this marketplace intervention to prop up green energy. Nevertheless, it is what it is, and we shouldn't make investment decisions based on our feelings about government policies. Look at how they will likely impact the market and invest accordingly. It's also worth noting that the silver-gold ratio is still high by historic measures, meaning silver is undervalued compared to gold. Now, that ratio closed up quite a bit earlier this year, but we're back knocking on the door of an 80 to 1 silver-gold ratio. So basically, as we've said before, this is silver on sale. So let's talk jobs. 
The labor market is where we were supposedly seeing a lot of improvement, and it was kind of driving this V-shaped recovery narrative. I did an episode a couple of weeks ago on the September jobs report, so I'm not going to belabor that. But there are some really disturbing long-term trends that are emerging. In a nutshell, these jobs ain't coming back. Yesterday, we got the weekly jobless claims report, and it was worse than expected. Another 898,000 Americans filed for unemployment. That's the worst weekly number since mid-August. Of course, if you've been listening to the show, you knew that was coming. I've talked about the number of layoffs coming down the pike. Regal Cinemas closed all of its locations last week with no timetable for reopening. Disney announced it would lay off 28,000 workers. U.S. airlines are shedding jobs at a dizzying pace. Retail is getting crushed. The energy sector is getting pummeled. And a lot of companies are simply downsizing because the economy is not roaring back. If you want to put that 898,000 figure into some perspective, first-time claims this time last year were running under 200,000 a week. But there's an even more troubling trend. When government started shutting things down in response to coronavirus, everybody assumed the layoffs would be temporary, right? Despite the huge surge in unemployment, the expectation was that people would quickly return to work once the crisis passed and the economy opened up again. But here we are in month, what, eight? Millions of Americans still haven't gone back to work. Now, granted, a lot of people have. The unemployment rate has nearly halved to 7.9% since April. But nearly 13 million Americans are still out of work. That's about 7 million more than pre-pandemic levels. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the number of job losses categorized as permanent grew by 345,000 to 3.8 million people in September. In other words, nearly 4 million unemployed Americans have no prospects of returning to work. The number of long-term unemployed, people out of work for a period exceeding six months, has ballooned. According to the BLS, around 2.4 million Americans were unemployed for 27 weeks or more in September. That's up 781,000 from the previous month. The last time we saw this kind of jump in long-term unemployment was during the Great Recession. Economists crunching numbers say that the trend shows that some layoffs once thought temporary have now become permanent. There's also the looming prospect for more corporate bankruptcies and business closures coming down the pike, putting even more pressure on the job market. Large company bankruptcies have already surged to levels not seen since 2010. The Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco recently issued an economic letter outlining worries about the risk of business insolvency during the coronavirus crisis. It points out that there was already a significant problem with corporate indebtedness and the impacts of the pandemic have exacerbated that. Quote, while financial firms were generally well capitalized and resilient before the onset of the health crisis, many other businesses entered the pandemic with very high levels of debt or leverage. Against this backdrop, the pandemic has lowered corporate profits sharply. Credit availability turned scarce as lenders tightened underwriting standards. The ability of businesses to survive the crisis and the implications for financial stability has received heightened attention. End quote. 
Now, of course, it was artificially low interest rates, courtesy of the Fed, that made the extraordinary level of corporate indebtedness prior to the pandemic possible in the first place. If you go back and look at the Shift Gold website back in 2019, we wrote a number of articles about the problem with debt in corporate America. Now, you might recall that last fall, the Fed actually issued a report warning about growing levels of corporate debt, saying, quote, borrowing by businesses is historically high relative to gross domestic product, with the most rapid increases in debt concentrated among the riskiest firms amid weak credit standards. This was before the pandemic. So we set the stage for a problem. We had a problem. We were hurtling towards an economic crisis even before the pandemic. Now it appears that the chickens are coming home to roost. And, of course, the Fed solution is more of what caused the problem to begin with. Low interest rates, easy money, unprecedented stimulus, which is going to lead to more debt, which is going to lead to more bankruptcies down the road. Meanwhile, more than 420,000 small businesses have closed their doors permanently since the beginning of the pandemic. That represents a staggering 7.1% of small businesses. The Brookings Institute estimates that the U.S. economy has lost some 4 million jobs in the small business sector, quote, that will only return with the creation of new businesses. And how do you create new businesses in the middle of a big recession? I just have to say, this is not a particularly good look for a rebounding economy. Okay, so let's talk presidential politics. I do this with a little bit of fear and trepidation because I know I'm going to make some people angry. That's just the nature of politics. Like I said earlier, it's basically designed to keep us divided up and arguing. But I, I think, obviously, the election has big ramifications on the markets, on what lies ahead. So I think it's worth discussing. Just take what I say with a grain of salt. It's my opinion and do with it as you will. I just wanted to share my thoughts. Peter Schiff talked about his thoughts on the upcoming election during an interview he did on RT this week. I'll link to that in the show notes page. I think it's worth checking out. Peter offers some pretty good analysis. He said he thinks Biden is probably going to win and he goes over some of the possible ramifications of a Biden presidency and as you can imagine, not particularly a great scenario. So who do I think is going to win? Well, I guess I have to give the edge to Biden as well at this point, if you believe the polling. But I would not put money on it. After all, nobody thought Trump was going to win at this point in 2016 either. And the polling, eh, who knows? Now, for full disclosure, I'm not a voter, at least not in presidential elections. Why not? You might ask. Well, I don't think it really matters. People get really angry at me when I say that, but objectively, it doesn't. So here's my 2020 presidential election prediction, and I would put money on this. No matter who wins this election, by 2024, the federal government will be bigger, it will be deeper in debt, and it will be trampling on more of our liberties. That's what the federal government does, no matter who is in the White House. If you really care about limited government and fidelity to the Constitution, neither one of these guys is going to fix Washington, D.C. That should be obvious. And the system is broken. You know, if a car is up on blocks with no tires and the engine compartment is empty, it doesn't make a whit of difference who you put in the driver's seat. That car ain't going nowhere. That's pretty much how I view presidential elections. 
There is bipartisan agreement on most of the big things that really impact and matter to our lives when it comes to spending money, starting wars, spying on you, and generally trying to micromanage your life. Democrats and Republicans march in lockstep in Washington, D.C. The great political divide is mostly window dressing. I mean, you would think by the rhetoric that the two parties were as different as night and day. But in practice, they're, what, maybe 10% different. Just look at the borrowing and spending. Did you know spending has gone up with every administration, at least since the beginning of World War II? Every single one. Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Spending increases administration after administration. We thought Obama was bad. And he was. Then here comes Trump, adding $7 trillion to the national debt in less than four years. This administration has almost matched the national debt added during the Obama years, but in half the time. Don't get me wrong. Look, I'm not saying not to vote. I'm just saying I don't find it worth my energy to get wrapped up in this you-know-what show. But I do understand folks who feel like the car will run toward the cliff a little slower if Trump is in office instead of Biden. I think the economy will hurt more with the Biden presidency. Peter went over that in his interview, and I think he's got some pretty good points. You know, Biden has promised to raise taxes, so that's not good. But of course, we're going to pay for all of this spending at some point regardless. Whether or not Trump or Biden wins, the printing press will continue to go whirr at the Fed. The government will keep spending, and like I said, the Constitution is going to continue to be ignored. I just feel like a lot of the debate is kabuki theater. I mean, do Hunter Biden's emails really have any impact on your life? Do Trump tweets put food on your table? When it comes down to it, the government is hosing you no matter who is in charge. I guess it's a matter of degree. And if you feel like you need to vote for Trump, um, you know, I understand that. I just can't get wrapped up in it. I think the bottom line is we need to be prepared no matter who takes up residence at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in January. I think the economics don't look good no matter who's in the White House. A shift gold precious metal specialist can help you look at your portfolio and and maybe figure out how to mitigate whatever is coming down the pike. Using precious metals to protect your wealth and, and even maybe increase your wealth as things move forward. Talk to those guys. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Or you can shoot them an email at info at shipgold.com. Fantastic bunch of guys over there. And they can definitely help you out and give you personal advice and information on how precious metals can work into your investment strategy. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on these stories and more. And, of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. We have uh, it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and, of course, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to all of this stuff over on the show notes page. I definitely appreciate you listening to the show. Hope you have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next time.